Welcome in to Ohio vs. the World, an exclusive Ohio sports podcast where I discuss the Buckeyes, Browns, Cavaliers, Indians, Blue Jackets, Crew, Bengals, Reds, and more. I'm your host, Jacob Wilson, and today i got a solid podcast laid out for you. We're going to deep dive into the Ty Lue and Hugh Jackson firings. Uh, then we're going to talk about the Blue Jackets and Crew, discuss a little bit about the last two Cavs games, talk about the Browns versus the Chiefs. Um, the Bengals are on bye this week. Then we'll jump into the whole NFL as a whole. And then we'll talk about the Buckeyes. They play Nebraska at the Shoe noon tomorrow. And then we'll talk about college football as a whole. I'm joined today with my good friend, Steven. Steven, how you doing, man? Good. How about yourself? Doing good, man. Doing good. I'm excited for tomorrow. It's going to be a really fun day of college football. Oh, yeah, for sure. We got Bama playing LSU. Buckeyes look to bounce back, so I'm excited to watch. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be crazy with the basically SEC championship semifinal matchups of Georgia versus Kentucky, whoever wins that's probably going to win the SEC East. And then Alabama, LSU, whoever wins that's probably going to win the SEC West. So mm-hmm. it's going to be a lot of fun. And then Ohio State's back in action. And no matter who they're playing, we're always excited to watch Ohio State. So that'll be fun. And a few other good games. I think Penn State's playing Michigan. But, yeah, we'll jump into that later. Uh, first thing I want to get into here is I haven't had you on, at least. I was I made a podcast Sunday night. I talked about Ty Lue. So this is actually my first podcast since Hugh Jackson's been fired. But I haven't had you on since Ty Lue or Hugh Jackson has been fired, so I'd love to just sit down. And... I guess we could start with Ty Lue. I know you're a big Cavs fan. What would you make of the Ty Lue firing? Um, I thought it was more than – I thought it was well-deserved just for the simple fact that, like we said that one time I was on, every time we look at Ty Lue, he had no idea what was going on in the game. Yeah. Um, his rotations were garbage, but – these past two games with him gone have been actually pretty fun to watch. I mean, with the Nuggets ended up running away with it last night, but um, we did get our first win. Um, we just moving the ball more, uh, which mm-hmm. is cool. Like we saw a lot of like isolation ball with Seti or Rodney Hood, which we can't have that. We got to like I saw George Hill said on a, a radio podcast the other night. He said. We just need to be a pass-first mentality team, and that's what I've been seeing since they got fired. So I like what Larry Drew's doing. Um, I think we're going to keep him. It sounds like they're trying to renegotiate a contract for being a head coach. So um, I like the way that team looks forward. I know it's probably going to be a really down year, to be completely honest, especially mm-hmm. since Kevin Love's out for almost a month and a half. Um, but we'll see what happens. I, I, I like the firing. Yeah, I think it – I think with both of these firings, I want to get ahead of myself talking about Hugh Jackson, but I think both of these were overdue. I think Hugh Jackson probably should have been fired over the offseason when John Dorsey came in as general manager. I still don't understand. That set us back half a year because if he would have been fired, we would have got a new coach in, got his scheme going, and got Baker and them started building a relationship with whoever that coach would have been with Baker Mayfield. I just don't understand why Hugh Jackson was kept over the offseason. We all knew this was coming. We knew sooner or later he would be fired during this season, no matter what. And then with same with Ty Lue, when we blew things up this off season, LeBron left. And then it looked like we probably weren't going to be good enough team to make the playoffs. I don't understand why we didn't bring in another coach and have a new coach start developing with the younger kids like uh, Jetty Osmond and Colin Sexton. So I think they were both overdue firings and they were both probably made too late. I agree. Yeah. All right. Um, so where do you think these two teams should go from here? I don't personally know a ton about basketball. Uh, I don't know a ton about, who they'd be looking in to bring as a coach. I know you just said they might be looking to sign Larry Drew long-term, but I guess if that is the case, what do you want to see from the Browns? Where do you think they should go in terms of their new coach? Um, For the Browns, I think they need to get this right. We need to get someone to be paired with this young mm-hmm. core for multiple, multiple years. We can't have be firing head coaches just like we go through quarterbacks. So I think they're going to try to get someone that has this – like offensive-minded, um, continue to pass the ball downfield, pound it down their throat, just a, just a big kind of like a West Coast guy. And I've been hearing talks about Lincoln Riley for Baker. I don't know how mm-hmm. necessarily true that'll be because, like he said, he came out and said, I kind of like college football, what I'm doing right now. So mm-hmm. I don't know who their their big thought is. I mean, <clears throat> maybe if somehow the Browns do great over these next eight games, uh, maybe Greg Williams is a candidate, be defensive-minded first. Um, but for offensive coordinator, they definitely need to get someone in there that is going to nurture ba- Baker for at least two years so he can get into 
a great comfortable spot so he can really thrive in that system. Yeah, definitely. I think whatever they do, they're definitely going to go for an offensive-minded coach. Even if Greg Williams does well, I think they want someone who's going to nurture Baker Mayfield, like you said, someone who's going to be more of a quarterback whisperer if you do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Lincoln Riley would be an interesting one. I think all the Browns fans would welcome Lincoln Riley with open arms. I think the question is more, would Lincoln Riley want to come to the Browns? Um, I don't really know if he would, but I would assume that any Browns fan would welcome Lincoln Riley, and so would the management. And I'd assume he'd probably be the first name on the list because he's got the ties with Baker Mayfield. He's doing something amazing there in Oklahoma his first year last year, and he immediately went to the playoffs. And he looks like he's really good with the players. He's a player-first mentality, and he's an offensive-first mentality, and he obviously knows Baker Mayfield. So I think he would be a great fit, and I wouldn't be surprised if he wanted to come to the Browns. I think going from Oklahoma to the Browns is a step up. Um, you're going to get paid more. You're going to have more of the spotlight on you. Of course, Oklahoma is a great college, but I still think it'd be a bit, a bit of a step up for him. That'll be interesting to see. I really don't know who else is on the radar besides Lincoln Riley. I don't know if you, you know, anyone else. Um, I, there hasn't been really talks. I don't think they've really started that huge look yet. Obviously John Dorsey has, but like, we haven't heard it as, Mm -hmm. as like fans yet. So I think, I think it'll be like a, higher in the offseason obviously so there's going to be a mm-hmm. lot that plays out this is just like the beginning of all the the coaching searching yeah definitely and then the final thing I had here was just more of a this is more of a talk show kind of question where I, I kind of hate these questions sometimes but I thought it'd be an interesting thing to bring to the podcast um, what Cleveland team has the best 10-year outlook between the Indians Cavs and Browns um surprisingly I'm going to say the Browns and for some yeah. fact is that we're the youngest team in the NFL um, we're averaging like 23 to 24 years of age. Um, that's mm-hmm. crazy. And for what the the competition that we're putting up right now, I mean, we're leading the league in takeaways. And obviously those need to turn into points. So that's got to get fixed. But we our mm-hmm. defense is very stout. Um, our offense is nothing but young guys. We are starting rookies at wide receiver, quarterback, running back, and left tackle, which are the four most important on offense. Yeah. So – They'll, they're all going to develop. They're all going to get better. They, two, one, like, we have another undrafted rookie out there. We have Derek Wheelies. We have um, Damian Ratley. Those guys are just rookies. Like, we need to develop these guys. And it's going to be fun to watch. I, I am, like, I've never been more excited for a Browns team since I was young, and that was, like, 2007 Derek Anderson, and then they got rid of mm-hmm. everybody. So this is – I'm very excited <clears throat> to see – what we do for it. I have total faith in John Dorsey and what he's going to do with this uh, organization. Um, but I would say the next team that is has a better chance to do the best in the next 10 years would probably be the Cavs. And I say that because they're, they're young too, believe it or not. I mean, if we just get, mm-hmm. kind of move a couple old guys like Channing Fry, Kyle Korver, we're going to have a really young core, and that's going to be great to see. Um, and but I, f- I feel like the Indians' time is now, um, just because Francisco Lindor, Jose Ramirez, these guys, they're they're hitting around thirty, and that's when baseball players are starting to decline. So I really, we need to win either now or the next couple years. Otherwise, it's going to be hard. Yeah, definitely. I think the Indians, in terms of ten-year outlook, the Indians probably have one or two more years left of having a chance to win a championship at least. After that, they're probably going to go into full tank mode and rebuild. Um, the Cavs are probably going to be rebuilding and tanking for the next one to two years. And then I think, like you said, I think they have a pretty solid core. Uh, Colin Sexton, he looked good the last few nights. I think he's going to turn out to be a good player, at least for where we got him for. When you get someone at, I think, the eight spot is where we got him at, you don't expect them to be amazing. You just expect them to be a solid piece, solid addition to your team. Uh, and then, obviously, like you said, with the and Jetty Osmond, of course. But then with the Browns, yeah, I mean, I think by far they're the be- the team with the best outlook here. I know the Browns always are the team, the youngest team in the NFL, because they're always tanking and always getting a ton of draft picks. But this time it feels different. These young players are actually good. Um, like you said, Miles Garrett is in his second year. I think he might end up being the best pass rusher in the league here in a few years. I think Baker Mayfield's going to be great. Like you said, a rookie at left tackle. He hasn't been playing that bad. He struggled a little bit the last few games, but he was an undrafted rookie, so I think he'll get better and better each year and each game. And then uh, Nick Chubb back there looks like he's going to be a beast. Um, Duke Johnson is still pretty young. He's only been in the league three years. David Njoku is going to be a great tight end. I think he has the potential to be 
one of the best tight ends in the league. And uh, Jarvis Landry is still young. He's still got a five-year contract here. And John Dorsey, I think, is one of the best GMs in the league. I think if there's anything that's really big, it's John Dorsey. He's a great GM. I trust him. I trust what he's doing. And I just think that everything should work out for the Browns. I think they're going to have a solid team here in about a year or two, and they're going to be really competing for the playoffs and maybe even more in the next two or three years. Yeah, for sure. I think that maybe since of the whole coaching debacle that has happened recently, I don't know if we'll be ready for the playoffs next year. But that mm-hmm. year three with Baker, I think it has to happen. We'll, and that'll be like the determination of everything that's happened in the past three years before that. So all the draft yeah. picks we've had. all, And I bet we'll still be rotating rookies in at that time. We'll have more because we have all of our draft picks this next year and an added like five from trades we made. So like yeah. we have so many assets to work with now. And I'm. Like I said, it's different. Usually, as Browns fan, we say, "Yeah, next year's our year," but mm-hmm. I, I really do believe that either next year or the year after that, we have a legit shot at making a run in the playoffs with this defense. Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of next year. I think next year could be the year. A lot of it will come down to the schedule. I know this year, I think the Browns have the hardest schedule in the NFL, playing teams like the Chiefs next next week and the Falcons and the Carolina Panthers, and then the division is so hard this year, too. It's a tough schedule. It's hard to expect this team to win a ton of games with this schedule. For sure, yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure we have the second hardest. Um, that's what I, mm-hmm. I've i heard from ESPN. And it's – yeah, it is crazy. We're playing the Chiefs. And speaking of the Chiefs, John Dorsey built that team. So that's yeah. why I have so much faith in that. I mean, he brought in guys Definitely. like Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Kareem Hunt. Like, these guys are legitimate playmakers. And it's going to be – I I hope to see that we get guys like that as a Browns mm-hmm. fan. Yeah, definitely. It's funny. I'm sitting here watching first take right now. It's kind of my background show. And guess who's on? Hugh Jackson. <laughs> uh, yeah, he. I saw he was saying some things yesterday about how if he, we were doing the things that we were doing this yeah. year in year one, we would be we would be a winning football team. Well, obviously we would be doing that. Um, yeah, we just couldn't win. In 2015, we were getting blown out of games. But in 2016, a lot of games were close, but we still went 0-16. So that's just almost – it's repulsive as a fan. Like, we make jokes out of it, but it's bad. Like, that team mm-hmm. in two years was just the laughing stock of the NFL. And right now, we're building up some – not bragging rights, I would say, but just, like, some charisma. And Because our defense puts people – they have to work to play us. Like, they don't have to walk in and they're like, oh, this is a W. So mm-hmm. that's why I like. I like watching these games to the end, but it sucks that we just don't know how to win. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess the last thing I want to touch on is that we haven't talked about yet is Todd Haley. How'd you feel about him being fired? Do you think that he should have became the interim head coach? Do you think he should have just stayed as the offensive coordinator, or do you like him being fired? Um, I was really kind of shocked. I saw that. I was sitting in class, and I got the notification that Hugh Jackson got fired. And I was like, okay. And I kind of like praise the lord a little bit but um Todd Haley was kind of confusing to me just because he has did so well everywhere he's went and mm-hmm. we never really gave him a chance to connect yeah because it was only eight weeks plus training camps so that that's think about it we he was only working with a quarterback that time period um it takes a lot longer for a rookie to develop than that so I just feel yeah. like I, I don't know. Freddie Kitchens, is, I think, is going to be a decent offensive coordinator for the next eight weeks, but I think we'll end up um, finding someone else to go with. Um, Freddie Kitchens, he also um, play called the Lions preseason game where Baker started, and we actually put up like 42 points, which was pretty pretty impressive. So I know it's just preseason, but maybe he'll do the same philosophy of letting Baker throw that ball downfield. So I think that'll, mm-hmm. be, that'll be fun to watch and see how that plays out. Yeah, I think it was interesting. Um, Todd Haley did lead the Steelers for the last – I don't know how long he was their offense coordinator, but I'm pretty sure it was the last five or six years or so, and they probably the best offense in the league those last five or six years. And He's definitely proven himself. I was even surprised he came to the Browns and took an offense coordinator role because he's just that good. He's that big of a name. I was surprised he would take an offense coordinator role under a, under a coach like Hugh Jackson and on a team that just went 0-16. So, I mean – I'm really, really surprised we fired him. <clears throat> I think it was a bad fire probably, but at the same time, I guess it's 
it kind of feels like Jimmy Haslam saying, we're not going to put up with political infighting. We're not going to deal with this stuff. Mm-hmm. If you guys can't get along, then you're both going to be fired. Yeah, I agree. Um, they just want a change of culture around here. And we're, mm-hmm. we're really seeing that. Um, I know the Haslam's, they've, they've tried to put together a good team for the past six years, but it's just not been happening. But with John Dorsey, he feels that he has the right guys. So I think he's just totally giving him the keys and just letting him do whatever he wants with this football team because he feels like John Dorsey can make this team great. So, Yeah, definitely. All right, so next thing I want to jump into is the Blue Jackets and the crew, the two professional sports teams here in Columbus. Um, Both of them played last night, and the Blue Jackets played twice since my last podcast Sunday night. Um, They played Tuesday night in a game against the Red Wings at home in Nationwide Arena. I was actually at this game. They lost 5-3 to the Red Wings, which was a pretty – was a bit of a shock. They were they went down quick in the first period, 3-0 to the Red Wings, and that was pretty shocking because the Red Wings are actually, I think, the worst or second-worst team in NHL right now, and the Blue Jackets are a good team, and the Blue Jackets were at home. Um, I was pretty surprised, but then nothing happened in the second period, and the third period came around. The Blue Jackets scored three goals within the first 10 minutes of the period, and it kind of felt like all the momentum's coming our way. This is a bad team. We're a good team. We're at home. We should pull out this win. It was 3-3. Um, But then with about three minutes left, a heartbreaker for the Jackets. The Red Wings score to make it 4-3. We pulled out Bob towards the end of the game to get six players on the ice, and they scored an open net to make it 5-3 with about 30 seconds left. And that was the end of the game for that one. A bad loss for the Jackets. You never want to lose to the Red Wings at home playing one of the worst teams in NHL. And then last night, not a game I got to watch just because it was on at 10-30. I was snoozing. Um, so they won 4-1 last night against the Sharks to get themselves to 7-5. and 7-5 and five right now is probably, what is that, 12 games. I think if you took 7-5 and five and stretched it out throughout the whole season, they went 7-5 and five for the next 12 games of the season each time. They'd probably be bordering right on the playoffs. So they're about right where you'd expect them to be, a bordering on playoff team. Um, so I guess you can't complain too much. I would like to see a few of these Losses turn into wins. you got to beat teams like the Red Wings. They lost to the Blackhawks and Coyotes earlier this year. Those are teams you got to beat, too. <clears throat> um, but still, they're 7-5. and five. They should be bordering. They're still bordering on a playoff spot. That's what we expected from this team. So not too much to complain. Uh, looking forward for the Blue Jackets tomorrow night. They're kind of on a West Coast stand here. They played the San Jose Sh- – <clears throat> sorry, my voice is really bad from uh, just waking up. But uh, they just played the San Jose Sharks last night at 10.30 p.m. Now, tomorrow they play Los Angeles Kings at 10.30 p.m., and then they play the Anaheim Ducks on 9 p.m. Sunday night. So a three-game road stand all on the West Coast. They got three points – or they got two points last night against the Sharks, so hopefully they can keep it up. I believe the Kings are a pretty good hockey team. Um, let me look here with the Ducks. I know the Kings are a good hockey team. The Ducks, um, everything I'm seeing here is a loss. I don't even know if they've won a game yet. Oh, my gosh. Okay, I think they've won like two games so far this year. So they're one of the worst teams in hockey. So you'd expect the Blue Jackets to hopefully get maximum points there, <clears throat> although it will be on a back-to-back night that night. Um, so then we jump into the crew. This is something I'm pretty excited about. I talked about on Sunday night that they were going to have to play D.C. United after their win on Sunday to get into the playoffs over uh, Minnesota United. So they went into D.C. last night. Most people were not expecting a win. Most people were pretty satisfied with the crew just getting into the playoffs. I know I was satisfied with – just the crew being in the playoffs and the fact that the team is probably going to be staying here with, it looks like stay the crew is going to happen. So everything else that happens in this playoffs is pretty much an extra for me. And that's kind of what we got last night. Last night was a really exciting game. Uh, DC United took the early lead one nil. Um, I think it was around the 15th or so minute. <clears throat> it was a Zach Steffen era, a Zach Steffen error, not something we see a lot. Zach Steffen's one of the best keepers in the league. He's the U S men's national goalkeeper. He's a great keeper. Um, you don't see errors from him often, and that was pretty disheartening. D.C. United took an early 1-0 lead, and it felt like that was pretty much do it. They're the better team. They're at home. Their crowd was rocking. <clears throat> it just felt like it was going to be tough for the crew to get back in that game. But they kept playing. They kept playing tough. Higuain gets a scrappy goal in about the 25th minute to make it 1-1. And then uh, in the 90 – yeah, then it went to uh, extra time at 1-1. Um, no more goals throughout the time period. And then the 96th minute, Federico Higuain gets his second goal to make it 2-1. That was a great goal, great header. Um, and then in the 116th minute, what felt like a heartbreaker for the crew, uh, D.C. United, Nick 
De Leon in the 116th minute made it 2-2 with what was a gorgeous volley. Put it in off the post. Zach Steffen had no chance of saving this one. It was 2-2. D.C. United had all the momentum going into the penalty kicks. It felt like they were going to probably pull it out in penalties, but penalties came around. Um, this was a nerve-wracking night last night for me, definitely. The penalties came around, and uh, Zach Steffen came up big. I talked about just a few minutes ago how he's one of the best keepers in the league. He's the United States men's national team keeper, and he came up big. He saved it against Wayne Rooney, who's one of the best players in the world playing at D.C. United. Um, he saved it against Acosta, who's one of the best players in the league. And he made, he made a few saves that were big, and it, at, the end of the, at the end of penalties, it was 3-2 for the crew. D.C. United had one more kick to take it into uh, to keep penalty kicks going to make it 3-3 through five sets of penalty kicks. And Nick De, De Leon, the one who made the gorgeous free kick, in the 116th minute to send it to PKs, it blew it over the bar. That's something you can't do in penalties. You got to at least put it on goal, but he just blew it over the bar and crew players rushed the field in excitement. And so now the crew won that game and now they're going on to play the winners, New York Red Bull supporter shield winners, which means that they had the most points throughout the regular season, which means they're the best team in the league. So the crew got a tough task ahead of them. Um, they play Sunday at home at 3 p.m at home in the first leg. And then in the second leg, they go to New York to play the Red Bulls on Sunday, November 11th. So they play this coming Sunday, two days from now, November 4th against the Red Bulls. Then they play a week from that, November 11th at the Red Bulls. Two-legged playoffs, whoever gets the most goals between those two legs moves on. If it's tied, it goes to extra time in the second leg. And if it's still tied, it goes to penalty kicks. But yeah, they're playing the New York Red Bulls. It's going to be tough. They're the Supporters' Shield winners. They're probably the best team in MLS, at least one of them. It's going to be difficult, but this crew team's kind of – they're going to be playing loose. They're going to be playing with nothing to lose. Um, No one expected them to make it this far. The whole fan base is uh, excited in general with just the whole Save the Crew news. So fans are going to be pretty happy. The players are going to be pretty happy. This is just going to feel like – this is just another bonus chance to get something extra out of this season. If they lose, no one will be surprised. No one will be mad. So they're playing with – They'll be playing loose with nothing to lose. So it should be fun to see. It's going to be difficult for them, but either way, I won't be upset. So, yeah, Sunday, 3 p.m. at home. If you can get out to that game, you should. I'm going to try to get out to that game. Um, It's going to be exciting with all the Save the Crew news and the fact that they're in the playoffs and the fact that it's at home. So hopefully we can get a sellout crowd and just keep proving ourselves as a fan base. You got anything anything to add, Steve? Um, Not really. I mean, just it's good to see – Ohio teams doing good in their respective fields. Yeah. Did you watch a game last night? Um, no, I did not. I, um, I was watching the Cavs game personally. So, mm-hmm. dang man, you missed out on that thriller. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah, I went to PKs and the crew won three two in PKs, and it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun to watch. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. I'm not that big of a soccer fan, but like, I, like I said, it's I, I did not want the crew to leave, so I'm just glad mm-hmm. the Columbus teams are doing good at what they're doing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so good night last night for Columbus teams. The crew advanced to the semifinals of the Eastern Conference, and the Blue Jackets uh, get a 4-1 win to go to 7-5 and on the year. So now we'll jump into the Cavs a little bit. I know we already talked about the Cavs just to talk about Tyron Lue and his firing, but they had two games since Tyron Lue was fired that we need to talk about. So the first one is at the queue Tuesday night. They get their first win of the season to go to 1-6. They beat the Hawks 136, a lot of points there, to 114. Yeah, they uh they had a really good offense going. Everybody kind of was making their shots, making their open threes. It was just a good, solid overall game. And they led, they uh, kept Trey Young from scoring too many points because he had over thirty on them the first game they played. Uh, but that, it, they played some good defense too. They only, uh, I believe, they only put up a like a one one fifteen. So that's not bad for a uh, offense that scores a lot of points. And it was just good to see they them get their first win they they really needed it they really did and mm-hmm. i know it, the team just right now doesn't look like anything's going up but i i still am going to keep watching and let the let these young guys ball they just need to get that experience yeah i mean if we do tank and everything that means we get a lot a chance to get these young guys a lot of experience and get them better i'm really excited what with Colin Sexton and Jetty Osmond. Both of them had great games against the Hawks that Tuesday night. Jetty went for 20 points, five rebounds, three assists. And then Colin Sexton went for eight rebounds, surprisingly, the short little guy. 
uh, three assists and 17 points. Mm-hmm. That's solid numbers for a off, off uh, offensive rookie. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And then one of the standouts is Rodney Hood, who had 26 points. Um, yeah. George Hill had 17, and then um, Sam Decker actually had a good game, <clears throat> filling in for uh, Kevin Love. He's kind of a guy that's not even really like an NBA player. He's just on this team because they're pretty bad, and they're they need de- they need depth. Uh, he had nine rebounds, four assists, and 12 points. Yeah, I mean, we just really we our team hurts. Kevin's not there because a lot of our offense goes through him, so mm-hmm. it, it definitely hurts um, for us right now for him being hurt with that foot in- injury. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, then the Cavs last night, like you said, they're playing a really tough team. But like you said, they kept it close early. I was actually watching the first quarter of this game, and I was I was getting pretty excited. I thought they were going to beat a really good Denver Nuggets team. But they lost 110-91 to 91 at the Q. The Denver Nuggets are now 7-1, and one, and the Cavs are now 1-7. and seven. Um, Some of the highlights for Cavs, player last, Cavs players last night would be Jordan Clarkson went for 17 points and Jetty Osman. Continues to do well. He has three rebounds, 13 points. Yeah, the, I, after the first quarter, I thought this is, wow, this is going to be a game. Um, mm-hmm. Midway through the second, it started slowly. Like, they slowly started making a run. The Nuggets did. Mm-hmm. And once halftime came along, they just came out in the third quarter making everything. I mean, they they were potent. Um, it was just too much for this Cavs team. I mean, right now we're sitting at the, the worst spot in the Eastern Conference, and it's just – it's sad to see because we've seen so much greatness in the past four years that mm-hmm. we were getting accustomed to it, and that's what LeBron bring brought to this this organization. So it's very yeah. hard to come to grips that right now we're starting back at like we did in 2011. So, I mean, it's going to be a long process, like I said, but we we did play well. I think if we can just hang into these games, get a, we just need to find and get the ball in Colin Sexton's hands. Let him become a – let him take those clutch clutch moment shots. Get him into the – like kind of like how we developed Kyrie Irving. Let him take the ball. Let him be the man. So I, I kind of mm-hmm. want to see us do that again, see how yeah. we can do that with Colin Sexton. Definitely. I think uh, you can't be too mad if you're a Cavs fan about last night's loss. The Nuggets are 7-1. But, yeah, like we said, they started off well. I was starting to get a little bit of hope, and I knew they were playing a team coming off a of back-to-back and on a road trip. So I did think we had a chance to win, especially with a good start. But the Nuggets were the better team, and they showed it in the last three quarters. Um, so now moving on to their next few games before my next podcast. Um, actually, they only have one game before my next podcast, which will probably be either Sunday night or Monday morning. They play the Hornets uh, tomorrow, Saturday, at 7 p.m. in Charlotte. Do you have any uh Anything oh. to go with this game? Because I do not. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, Kimball Walker is just – dude is balling this year. I mean, he's had mm-hmm. 40 points a couple times already in a matter of nine games. So, that's that's crazy. Um, I think he – we're going to have to stop him for sure. Um, but, yeah, I think I think it's definitely a winnable game. Um, their defense is not that great. The only good defensive player to have is Michael Gilchrist, and he'll probably be matched up on Seti. So, that opens up shots for Rodney Hood and – Colin Sexton, George Hill, guys like that. So I think that it's definitely a winnable game. But like I said, the way we're playing right now, it's going to be hard. Every game is going to be a dogfight if we want to win. So, Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so tomorrow night, 7 p.m. in Charlotte, the Cavaliers take on the Hornets. They are 1-7. Let me actually get a little bit of Hornets action here. They beat the – they lost to the Thunder last night. I actually saw a little bit of that game. Um, the Hornets, uh, they beat the Heat. They've lost to the 76ers, beat the Bulls, uh, lost to the Bulls, um, lost to the Raptors, uh, lost to the beat the Heat, and beat the Magic. So they've had a decent year going. They just seem like a pretty average team right now. One yeah, thing I notice is that all their scores are really close games. Yeah, they're just kind of somewhere in the middle. I mean, they've lost to who they're supposed to, beat a couple teams that they're supposed to kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. All right, so that'll pretty much do it for the Cavs. Now we'll jump into – the thing that we love most here in Ohio and the thing we love most probably on this podcast, and that is football. Um, first, I'm going to start off just by reading off some NFL games this week, and then we'll, deep, we'll dive deeper into the Browns at home against the Chiefs, and the Bengals are on by this week, so we won't be able to get into anything Bengals. Um, last night, the 49ers beat the Raiders 34-3. Did you watch any of this game? Um, yeah, I was, switch- I, had, I was watching the Cavs, and I had this on my phone, so I saw a lot. Um, Mullins looked pretty decent, them stepping up for Garoppolo in there. They kind of – Went the other way with C.J. Beathard, 
So they, they kind of did their third string, and he, he came out and he showed that he can play in the National mm-hmm. Football League. So I, I thought that was a good story. Um, the Raiders are – I didn't know how in the world that the Browns lost to the Raiders. I mean, there was that messed up call, I thought, but the Raiders are bad. They are very, very yeah. bad. And to say that they're the worst team in the NFL right now. Yeah, they're really bad. I think a lot of the reason they're so bad is just because John Gruden is purposely tanking them. But this is not a game I got to watch just because there's two 1-7 teams. I really didn't care that much. Um, the Washington Redskins are at home against the Falcons. The Vikings are at home against the Lions. This is a game we can get a little bit into. Um, the Bengals are on bye. The Browns obviously play the Chiefs. So then the other two AFC North teams are playing each other. The Ravens are at home playing the Steelers. Any uh, thing to, anything to – any takeaways from that? Yeah, so I think the Ravens are at home versus the Steelers. So I think that – I think the Ravens are going to take another one against them. I think they're going to be able to – that defense is going to match up really well with all the offensive firepower that the Steelers had. And I thought the Browns were going to do a lot better against them. But it, they – the Steelers are on a roll right now. So maybe maybe I am wrong. But I think it's going to be a great game. I love AFC North matchups. <clears throat> they're all so fun to watch. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be a good game. Uh, both of these teams, all the AFC North teams that aren't the Browns are doing really well right now. Um, the Ravens are in good form. The Steelers are in good form. The Steelers are especially in good form. So this will be a fun game to watch. It's in Baltimore. That might be the difference that the Ravens need. So we'll see. Um, we'll skip over the Browns for now. Uh, the Dolphins are at home against the Jets. The Bills are at home against the Bears. The Panthers are at home against the Buccaneers. Seahawks at home against the Chargers, Broncos at home against the Texans, Saints at home against the Rams, the Patriots take on the Packers, Um, so I guess we can get into that one a little bit, that's a big game, Sunday Night Football, it's Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers, I've seen a lot of talk on this on Sports Talk um, TV channels just because it's such a big subject, I think it's the first time they matched up against each other since uh, 2014, so what do you expect to see from this game, the Patriots are at home playing up playing the Packers um so these are the best two quarterbacks in football period I there's no mm-hmm. other conversation but I think I don't I don't think it'll be as close as what people think it might be I like I said Aaron Rodgers is so so good but mm-hmm. there's nothing around him so it's yeah. really hard. all he has is Devontae Adams and it they, if you lock down one receiver it's really hard to um distribute to other guys like that so he, I think they're going to go in there and lose, especially since the Patriots are at home. Um, Tom Brady is going to get his guys and get his playmakers the ball. He's going to get James White there, who has been a unbelievable um, surprise this year, especially for fantasy owners. I mean, the mm-hmm. dude, I have him on one of my leagues, and he's averaging at least twenty-four points right now. So, yeah, it's been, it's been really, really fun to see him kind of thrive since that one Super Bowl game he had. And he's kind of that kind of wrote his story for the rest of his career now, and uh, I think Gronk's going to have a good bounce back game. I think Tom Brady's going to get him the ball, um, but yeah, like I said, I think the Packers are just not—they haven't built enough around. They had got the one Super Bowl, and then since then it's just been kind of st- like here and there since there. So. Yeah, yeah, I think it'll be an interesting game. Um, anytime you've got the two best quarterbacks. Some of the two best of all time and the two best right now definitely in the game. It's going to be fun to watch. Um, but the Patriots are at home. They're the better team. They should be able to win. It'll be interesting to see what Josh Gordon can do. I know that he's starting to – we're finally starting to see problems now with him at the Patriots. I don't know if you've seen any of this. but Yeah, they were um, spitting him for some reason. Yeah, they kind of suspended him a bit because he was showing up late to practices. So, Although he had a few good weeks there in New England, the problems are starting to show. So it seems like no matter where he goes, the problems are going to be there. But – like you said, with the Packers, man, I mean, I feel bad for Aaron Rodgers. He's probably gonna, he's probably the most talented quarterback of all time, at least. Uh, I mean, there's a difference between most talented and best of all time. And he only has one Super Bowl, and it feels like this team <clears throat> has kind of just wasted his talent because, I mean, obviously he gets the one Super Bowl, but he just has the talent to get so many more. He's such a good quarterback, and there's really just no one around him. They traded away Jordy Nelson this offseason, and there's just not a ton of talent around him. Like you said, Devontae Adams is one of his only good players, and yeah, I mean, it's tough when you don't have anyone around you. His offensive line isn't that great. Not many great running backs, not many great receivers to throw to. The defense is not that good. So I think the Patriots have more weapons and they have the slightly better quarterbacks. So I guess I'll take them. Mm-hmm, for sure. 
Yeah, and then finally, uh, Monday Night Football, the Titans head to Dallas to take on the Cowboys. Um, so that'll pretty much do it. Actually, no, obviously, we got to jump into the Browns here. Um, the Browns are at home, 1 p.m. kickoff, First Energy Stadium, taking on the Chiefs, um, arguably the best team in football, either them or the Rams right now. So it's going to be a tough matchup for the Browns. Patrick Mahomes versus Baker Mayfield. I know that's been a big story this week because Texas Tech is actually playing um, Oklahoma this week in college football. And that was a big matchup when those two teams, when Texas Tech and Oklahoma played each other two years ago and Baker Mayfield and Patrick Mahomes were the starters, that was a big matchup. So now those two teams are playing each other in college football this week. And then Baker Mayfield's taking on Patrick Mahomes in the NFL this week. So that's been a big storyline. It'll be interesting to see uh, those two teams play each other. What is your biggest, some of your bigger takeaways from Browns at home against the Chiefs? Um, I think that the Kansas City Chiefs offense is very, very good. They have so many guys that'll just hurt you. So, I mean, I think that we're going to have to take away the deep ball. I think we're going to try to put Denzel up on Tyreek Hill and just try to get him out of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that opens up things for Travis Kelsey. So I think we're really going to try to focus on eliminating the pass. And so our our front four can try to stop the run. Um, our defense, they're gonna get a, they're gonna get takeaways. So how we respond to that? Um, I know Patrick Mahomes hasn't made many mistakes this year, but um, like I said, we're leading the league in takeaways. We know how to get the ball. So mm-hmm. that, our defense is gonna be a fun matchup against this offense. Yeah. But on the other side of the ball, the the Chiefs rank thirty second in total defense. Mm-hmm. If we can actually get rolling a little bit on offense and kind of get some stops on defense, I feel like this could be a good game. But like yeah. I said, this Chiefs team is so good. Um, they're going to put so many points on the board that how our offense reacts is how the game will be determined. Yeah, definitely. I think it has the potential to be a shootout with their offense being so good and their defense being so bad. Um They've got so many playmakers on offense. It's crazy. Patrick Mahomes has turned out to be one of the best QBs in the NFL. Terry Kill is so good. Kareem Hunt is just a great running back. Travis Kelsey is one of the best tight ends in the league. Sammy Watkins is a great wide receiver. We're going to have to find a way to shut these playmakers down. I like what you said. I think I could see them trying to play a bend-don't-break offense here. Don't let them get anything over the top. And then just try to kind of lull them to sleep. Let them get 5, 10 yards at a time. And then try to get those turnovers. Because you're not going to have to stop this offense every single time. Because our offense will hopefully get rolling and it should be a high scoring game. So if we can just get, you know, th- two or three turnovers here and there and force a few field goals here and there playing the bend don't break. And then our offense comes through and scores enough points and maybe this could be a good game and maybe they could keep it close. Um, this will be interesting for Baker Mayfield and just the new offensive coordinator. Um, I think it's kitchens, right? Yeah, it is. Uh, it is kitchens. And I think that he's going to really take some chances and that's what I want mm-hmm. to see. I just want to see us, not be conservative. Don't do two runs and then pass on third down and fourth down. And we got a kick. So I, I, I hope yeah. that we do some things that we haven't been doing. I just want to see that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is the dream scenario for him. Obviously, you're playing a tough team in the Chiefs, but the defense is 32nd in the NFL. That's worse than the NFL. So you kind of got yourself a dream scenario playing the worst defense in the league and your first uh, start as an offensive coordinator. And you got such a weapon like Baker Mayfield. You got weapons like Njoku and Chubb and Jarvis Landry and all those players. So he's got a chance to go out there and prove himself as a good offensive coordinator this week, playing one of the worst defenses. It has the potential to be a shootout. I know everyone will talk about it being a shootout, so it probably won't be because that just seems like how it, how it works a lot of the time. But, yeah, I think the Browns are going to have to do their best to make sure they don't settle for field goals. We saw that last week against the Steelers. you got to go down and score touchdowns, and our defense needs to do a good job at just playing Ben don't break, forcing maybe three turnovers this game and forcing – um, maybe what would be two or three touchdown drives into field goal attempts. Yeah, and another thing with Freddie Kitchens, I think that he is going to really utilize his running backs to their full potential just because mm-hmm. he was the running back coach and he sees the talent that is Nick Chubb and Duke Johnson. I think we're going to see a lot. I think they're going to share carries and plays. Um, I think Duke Johnson is going to have a really big game, and I think we're going to start to utilize him a lot more with Freddie Kitchens at the helm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could definitely see Duke Johnson getting a lot of touches here. He is the running backs coach. I'm sure he realizes the potential. If anyone realizes the potential of Duke Johnson, it's him. So he can get a lot of carries out of the backfield and probably get a lot of those out routes, swing passes that he gets. So it could be a really fun game. I hope it's a close game. I don't expect the Browns to win, but I hope they at least keep it close and make it fun and 
It could be a high-scoring, fun game to watch. For sure. You got anything else to add? Oh uh, no, I'm just I just like I said, I this this year is like every Sunday. I can't wait till the next Sunday, even mm-hmm. though it consistently break my heart. But yeah, <laughs> um, I can't like I can't wait to watch this football team. So that's that's the fun part. Even though we're going up against one of the best teams in the NFL. Yeah, definitely. Even though they're two and two five and one, and they have a bad record, and we're used to seeing this team with a bad record, but it's a little bit different this year. It's like a real football team. It feels like a real NFL team that actually competes and actually has good players on it. And you know that these young players are good enough to be really good in the next few years. So you're kind of just watching this team develop in front of your own eyes, and it's a lot of fun to watch. Yep, I'm right um, there with you. Yeah, so let's jump into college football. Um, do you want to talk about the Buckeyes first and then just college football in general or start off with college football in general? We we can uh, do college football in general and then head into the Buckeyes to wrap things up. That sounds good to me. All right, cool. So I'll start with uh, the top 25. So last night, UCF won 52-40 to 40 over Temple. It's actually UCF's first really pretty good win this year. Temple was a pretty solid team. Um, so they got their first good win of the year. I think that's the first team they beat all year that actually has a above 500 record. So I, how, are you, how do you stand on the whole UCF situation? I know their fans want their team to have more respect, and they feel like they were the national champions last year. And they're number 12 in the country right now, and they feel like they should be higher. How do you feel about the whole situation? Um, I think that's kind of where they belong, honestly. I mean, they don't yeah. have enough good teams and real teams, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. to get the recognition that they want. But if they somehow – I mean, they did play a good bowl game last year, and they did yeah. win one. Um, so, I mean, it just kind of depends. I mean, it's how the, the way you look at it, um, it's just you got to play better teams in college football to get that that yeah. recommend you need to deserve. Yeah. Yeah, they actually played a much harder schedule last year and got less credit because at this time last year they were ranked 17th. And now this time this year they're only – they I think they're 8-0, but the teams they've beaten are just really, really bad. I used to be a big fan of UCF. Like last year when they were going undefeated, I was really into the whole story, and I kind of wanted them to be ranked higher. And now this year, the fans have just kind of gotten on my nerves seeing them at all, all over Twitter and stuff. Like their schedule, I believe, is 127th out of 130 in the FBS. Like you just have no business. I don't even think they should be ranked where they are. I think they should be more towards like the 25 region or not even ranked. Um, I know that's harsh, but they haven't played anyone. And if you can't beat anyone good, then how are we supposed to know what you are as a team? Exactly. Yeah, so uh, tonight, Pittsburgh uh, plays Virginia. Virginia is actually ranked 25th. Um, Saturday, uh, noon, we've got Louisville going to Clemson. That's going to be a blowout. Louisville is really bad this year. Um, Syracuse uh, is number 19, actually. That's a really cool story, Syracuse. Uh, we're used to them being kind of a, one of the laughing stocks of college football, but they're 6-2. and two. They're sitting at 19. One of their losses was in a really good game to Clemson, so they're a solid team this year. They travel to Wake Forest. Uh, Texas A&M is number 20. They're traveling to Auburn. Iowa State's actually 24th. They're 4-3, and three, and they're Iowa State, and they're 24th, which is something I respect about the college football playoff committee. They realize they have a few good wins. Their losses are good losses, I guess, if you want to call them that. So that's cool mm-hmm. that they're ranked at 4-3. and three. Uh, They're taking on Kansas. Um, one of the games of the week is Georgia headed to Kentucky. Um this is pretty much an SEC East semi. This is pretty much an SEC East championship game to get to the SEC SEC championship. I don't know if you have any uh, thoughts on Georgia headed to Kentucky. Yeah, it's just kind of weird seeing Kentucky be good at football when they've only mm-hmm. been, like when you think of Kentucky right now. At least you always think about basketball. So it's kind yeah. of cool to see them do good. And like, I don't mind Kentucky. Like, I don't. I I don't have any hatred towards them at all. So I think that'll be a fun game to watch and. It'll be a good story if they could knock off Georgia. I think that'd be really yeah, fun. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really excited for it. It's uh, 3.30 p.m. on CBS. Uh, so now 3.30 p.m. on Fox. Another big game is West Virginia headed to Texas. Whoever wins this game will probably be going to the uh, Big 12 championship game against Oklahoma. So this is another one of those kind of conference championship play-in games, it feels like. So West Virginia headed to Texas, 3.30 p.m. on Fox. Um, number 16, Iowa is uh, 6-2 and two going to Purdue and what I think is going to be a really fun game. Purdue's actually favored by three points, even though they're 4-4, four and four, taking on 6-2, six 16th-ranked Iowa. So that could be a fun game. Uh, Florida State is traveling to NC State. NC State's ranked 21. There's a lot of teams ranked there. It, it just feels weird. Like, you're not used to seeing these teams ranked. Um, like, Kentucky's ranked ninth. 
Washington State is ranked eighth. That's kind of weird to look at. UCF's up there. Virginia is, was supposed to be really bad this year. They're ranked 25th. Syracuse is ranked 19th. Iowa State is ranked 24th. Um, Boston College is ranked 22nd. Yeah, so a lot of teams up there are kind of just weird to look at being ranked. Um, another really big game this week is Penn State headed to Michigan. Uh, do you have any thoughts on this? Penn State heading to Michigan. So I think that – I think Penn State um, is not going to be able to handle this defense. I know Trace McSorley is a really good college quarterback, but it's just not – he cannot – this defense is so good. Their front four are, are fantastic. And I, I didn't think they would be this good coming into the year. I thought they would just kind of be the average decent Michigan team, but their their defense is proving up to the hype right now. Yeah. All right, so um, Boston College, I don't really have much to add on. I guess I should probably add something on the Michigan game. Um, this is another big game. I think if Michigan win, loses this game, their uh, playoff hopes are done, so that's a big game for them. And I think if Penn State loses this game, any chance they have of getting to the playoff is done, and any chance they have of winning the Big Ten is done. So it's a game with a lot to lose. Um, Boston College is ranked 22nd. They're taking on Virginia Tech. That will be a really fun game. I'm a, I'm a big Boston College fan this year, so I'm excited for that one. Uh, Missouri travels to 11th-ranked Florida. Utah is uh, headed to Arizona State. Notre Dame is headed to Northwestern, what I think has potential to be a really good game. I could see Northwestern knocking off Notre Dame here. Um, Louisiana Tech is headed to 18th Mississippi. And then, obviously, the game of the week is Alabama headed to Death Valley to take on number three, LSU. Um, I don't know if you have anything to add on this one. Um, so, I, I really think that – our boy Joey Burrows is going to be able to uh, knock off this juggernaut of the Crimson Tide. I think that he, this team, and that defense, they play, like, good conservative ball. They manage the clock, and I think it's going to be – I think it by the end when the final whistle blows, I think that they will win. I, I'm just – I'm excited to watch that game. Yeah, definitely. I think – I honestly think Alabama will, will... – probably win this game and they might do it comfortably they're just that good this year but it will be interesting to see this will be the first time Alabama's actually kind of taken on a good defense um we've seen their offense play so well this year but who have they really played so LSU has a great defense they play kind of old school football they run the football about 65 percent of the time um they play a great defense so it'll be interesting to see um Alabama's actually 14 and a half point favorites um so I'd definitely take LSU if you're betting the line at least but I think Alabama will find a way to win it they're just a better football team and actually, if you're a high State fan, you should want Alabama to win this game because if Alabama loses this game and then they win out, they're 11-1, and and they don't get to get to an SEC uh, championship game. We saw that last year, and they got into the playoff. And then whoever wins the SEC would get in. So that's just an extra team that would get in. Um, that would make it harder for Ohio State to get in. So if you're a high State fan, as much as it pains you, you should be rooting for Alabama to win out. That's very um, true. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so Oklahoma, they number seventh Oklahoma heads to Texas Tech. Uh, we talked about that a little bit earlier. That could that has potential to be a good game. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't, though. 23rd-ranked Fresno State heads to UNLV. And then uh, California heads to 8th-ranked Washington State, which is interesting to see. Um, so now we're getting to what everyone wants to know, and that's our thoughts on Ohio State, 10th-ranked Ohio State at home against Nebraska. I don't know a ton about Nebraska football. I know Adrian Martinez is their quarterback, and that's about it. Um, but I guess the bigger thing is, are we going to see Ohio State fix the things that we've been begging for them to fix? They had a whole bye week to fix it. The media and the fans were all harping on Urban Meyer and the coaching staff to fix those things. And those things were the red zone offense. Um, and, of course, the running game has been really bad. The red zone offense has been really bad. And the linebackers and secondary have been bad. Do you think they'll fix those things over the bye week, Steve? Do you, do you think they fix those things over the bye week, Steve? Um, I think they will. I think we're going to come out and I think we're going to really – show Nebraska why we're the powerhouse school that we are. I think they're going to get a taste of – I think this team is going to flip it around kind of like how they did with Iowa last year. And mm-hmm. I think they're going to win in a large margin just because this Nebraska team is not that great. Um, their quarterback, he's a true freshman, but he he's good, but he's still learning. So I think it's – yeah, we're just going to – it's going to be a really high shootout game for Ohio State and then probably our defense. On the defensive side of the ball, I think that – our linebackers and secondary have a good game. I think they allow under at least like 200 uh, yards of total offense. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly have no clue what to expect from this game. I, if Ohio state comes out and they fix everything and they win by 70, I won't be surprised, but if Ohio state struggles and they only win by like seven to 10 points and 
they're still struggling with the secondary and the linebackers and the run game still isn't there and they still are kicking field goals and settling for field goals in the red zone. I won't be surprised, but I'm just, I just got to hope for the first thing that I said, I hope they fix everything and I hope they kick the crap out of this Nebraska team. I do think it's a Nebraska team that although they're two and six and they were and six just two weeks ago, I think they are better than a lot of people realize. Um, A lot of their losses have been close games and they're finally turning around the culture. It feels like Scott Frost is finally starting to turn things around. They got two wins in a row. They blew out a pretty decent Minnesota team. And then obviously they blew out the FCS team, Bethune Cookman. They played uh, this last Saturday, but they're, so they're starting to get something going. Ohio state's only 18 point favorites in this game from Vegas. Um, it's a line you'd expect to probably see more towards 35, 38 points. So I think that just right there shows in itself that Vegas doesn't think Ohio state's fixed their problems completely. And, Vegas also realizes that Nebraska is a pretty decent football team. So I think Ohio State has the potential to cover 18 points, and they should definitely at least win the game. So, yeah, the biggest thing to watch will be just has Ohio State fixed those problem areas, the red zone offense, um, the running game, and the secondary and the linebackers. Yep, I agree. I mean, I hope that Mike Weber and J.K. Dobbins turn back into what they were. Um, mm-hmm. Two-headed um, beast back there just to – open up our passing game against good teams coming up against like Michigan state and Michigan. So. Yeah, definitely. All right. So you got anything else to add for the pod? I, I didn't realize we're already like almost 52 minutes in. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, no, I, I think that was good. I I'm, I'm just excited for these next couple of weeks um, for Ohio sports in general to see what, how everything turns out. Yeah, definitely. Um, So I'll be back Sunday night. We'll talk about Ohio state, of course talk about the Browns, talk about the Ravens playing the Steelers, uh, talk about the NFL in general, the college football in general. Uh, the Blue Jackets will play two games since by then. The crew will play the first leg of their playoff game. By then, the Cavs will have played a game by then. And uh, I, I don't know if the Bearcats actually play. I should probably look that up, but I, we don't have time for it. So if the Bearcats do play by then, I'll break that down a little bit. So a very busy weekend that I'll have to get into on Sunday, and maybe Steve will join me. So. We'll see. Um, thank you for joining Ohio versus the world. Got anything else to say, Steve? Nope. Just uh, go Ohio sports. All right. That'll do it for Ohio versus the world.